you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great tasting, all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, and I am fully vaccinated. I'm excited about that. We're getting hopefully a little bit closer to getting back to, I want to say normal news or normal in air quotes here. Uh, we're getting back to our, our before times life, something like that. Anyway, uh, a fun show for you as uh, we normally try to do here, but uh, one that I'm uh, very, very excited about. Uh, a chance to talk to a guy who has... Maybe one of the most unique careers I think I have encountered uh, in the fantasy space. And if you have played fantasy football, uh, you know, beyond, say, just a casual level for any amount of time, it is a name you probably have encountered and you know. Uh, it is the one and only Scott Fish. Scott, uh, you know, we have interacted on social media for years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe this is the first time we've ever spoken, you know, I want to say face to face, but, you know, digitally face to face. I appreciate yeah. you coming on the show, man. How are things i'm good i'm good you're right i think this is the very first time we've been on the same show together i i've done nfl fantasy before but i can't remember if you were on that show so yeah i think i was no yeah yeah it's it's (laughs) good though it's good though yeah 
Good, good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to have you here. We are, we are sort of twinning right now. Uh, I was like, I'm gonna have Scott Fish on, so I'm gonna break out my my SFB shirt from last year, uh, <laughs> eagerly awaiting the new shirts for for 2021 uh, to come out, yeah. so I can snag one of those. But uh, I decided to pull mine out, and you are wearing the exact same shirt, so that yeah, makes me feel uh, pretty pretty good. So, um, <laughs> but I just wanted, to, I, I kind of want to start with just sort of about. You, because you know you, uh, you know, are, are one of the more recognizable names in this industry. You've been doing this for you've been doing this longer than, than I've been doing this professionally, uh, fantasy football wise. Um, but you, you know, like a lot of people in this industry, you had a day job at one point. Uh, right. You were working for for PepsiCo and kind of yep. doing fantasy stuff on the side. When did you decide that you could sort of make this into a career for yourself? Yeah, I, you listed it there. I, I worked for Pepsi for 14 years or so, and my back started to give out. It was a, it was a lot of work, and about four or five years ago, uh, I I got a full time offer, and I took it immediately. The the wife was fully on board. Uh, I didn't want to you know break my back and break down, and I talked to people like Liz Loza and Matthew Friedman and Mike Taglier and Matt Harmon, former Stronghold guy, right there. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, they had just made the jump at about the same time, and and they pretty much talked me into it. They said I wasn't going to regret it. And with the wife behind me, I made that move and have not regretted it a day since. I mean, it, it obviously has been great. Uh, you know, I mean, I, obviously this was a hobby for a long, long time uh, mm. before you, you decided to make the move to making it, yeah. uh, you know, your, your job. You sort of started, though, down the path of, I mean, they weren't called Devi Leagues at the time. Right. Uh, you know, you were you were sort of doing that long before it was fashionable. I mean, people were just sort of playing redraft leagues, and that was kind of the thing. What was it about Devi Leagues that sort of attracted you to them? Yeah, uh, I like that you mentioned at the top how my path has been really unique for a fantasy <laughs> analyst because I've I've really uh, I've really jumped around in different areas of the industry. But uh, so I started playing in Debbie leagues in the late '90s, um, and basically it was just a way to get the college players that we watched on Sundays or on Saturdays onto our big squad or onto our fantasy teams before you know before they hit the NFL. We we it was it was an added extra fun thing to do and to, to watch the Saturday games and know that this guy's going to be on my fantasy team in a year or two. Right. Um, but, uh, that, that's kind of what it was. It was just something extra to do. And that's kind of what led to me being in the industry is I started going on message boards and AOL chat rooms and stuff, just trying to find anyone that did Debbie leagues. And I couldn't find them anywhere like Matt Harmon with reception perception, he, reception. He was looking for an answer that wasn't being answered out there, right? Like answer to a question that wasn't being answered. I was trying to find out anything about, you know, what I called them at the time right away was college farm system leagues, like mm-hmm. baseball farm system leagues. And then we, we, it changed to Debbie later on. But uh, basically, I was looking for a type of league that didn't exist. And so then after a while of that, I created my own site that, you know, is the first site with uh, Debbie rankings, Debbie podcast, Debbie articles. And that's kind of how my name started circulating in the industry, because I was doing that one thing that no one else was doing. And, and it's so much fun to me to watch these players grow and eventually get to the NFL and you know them all before they get to the NFL. It's it's just a fun added benefit to Dynasty Leagues. Did you ever think that that, that part of it would take off? Because it's becoming a bigger deal. I mean, has it surprised you? Did you ever think that was going to happen? You know, when you sit back and th- I, it, I didn't at all, like not even remotely, but <laughs> as I sit here in 2021 and, and think about it, it's really not surprising. 
surprising though, right? Like I'll preface it with a couple of rhetorical questions here, but how many fantasy players are there? Like how many college football fans are there? Like it feels like the Venn diagram there <laughs> intersects pretty, pretty large, right? So it feels like it, it should have become a big thing and I'm glad it's becoming more and more a big thing, but like mid 2000s, Scott sitting doing his rankings and Google says he's, it's the only site doing them. Yeah. He would be pretty surprised, but <laughs> That's what's beautiful about this, right, man? There's so many ways to play fantasy. We we don't we don't league shame. Eight team, ten team, superflex, IDP, Devi, doesn't matter. It's it's awesome that we play this game that we we can create whatever innovative style we want to play. And and there are other like minded folks out there that want to play it too. I think it's you know it's funny because I you know I, I'm not the only one, but I refer to this as we we play a game about a game, yeah. Um, and we really have been able to slice and dice it in so many mm-hmm. different ways to kind of fit everything. And I think the, the uh, one of the beauties of this is that the more people that we get to kind of join in and to kind of join the party. Um, that creates that many more ways. There are so many yeah. more different people thinking about this in other ways that maybe we didn't. Um, that it's really kind of amazing and. That that made me think, you know, you wrote uh, that you played your first fantasy league in 1992. Yeah. Uh, my first one was in 1994. So I was just a couple years after you. And nice. so it made me think about like, I wanted to have a <laughs> moment for us old, us, us old guys out there who've been playing this for a long time, because I say this to, to younger people, you know, especially like college kids or people who are just playing. Um it was a different time. You had to want it. Like yeah. I always say, I use old timey words like answering machine and newspaper <laughs> because like you had to physically call in your lineup yeah. and then like scour like the local newspaper to look at box scores to kind of figure yep. out your score. Um, yep. I mean, I would imagine Scott for that's hard enough for the NFL. I would think for you know playing you know farm systems or Devi leagues or whatever you were calling it oh. at the time, it had to be. Just, I mean, you really had to want it. At you that really point. had to. Absolutely. I, I thought for a minute there we we're going to talk about our old Carl Pickens, Herman Moore <laughs> lineups or something. Um, yeah, you really did have to want it. And I, I kind of forgot about that. And the, I'd never want to go back, but I think about it and I think about the nostalgia of it. The, you're watching a game and when a game break happened, that was the most important moment in the game for you because it might be your player that just scored or that do 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 or whatever that pops up on the bottom of the screen. Huge deal. Every time that would happen, and it was just so exciting. Um, and I feel like we've lost a little bit of that, but we've gained so many other things. Like it's so easy to play now that yeah, it's it's a it's a beautiful thing. But I do I do miss a little bit of the nostalgia of some of those things. I, I think about that when you know every once in a while maybe the app. Uh, is slow in updating, and so somebody's you know rushing touchdown right. doesn't hit like literally instantly, and, and somebody yeah. will be in my mentions like asking what's wrong with the app, and like part <laughs> of me like will step back and be like, hey, calm, like. I, I lived in a world where I might not get updated standings till like Wednesday or Thursday, exactly. right? Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. So, so the fact that you had to wait an extra five minutes for your Dalvin Cook touchdown to show up, like I'm not, yeah, you know, I'm. Um, I'm speaking of which, do, do you want to talk about your Herman Moore, Carl Pickens lineups? Do <laughs> no, 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 that's all right. We we can go off on a lot of tangents. I was just talking the other day. I mentioned to Stefania Bell, she's a 49ers fan. That I remember my 1995 rookie draft, dr- jumping on the chair, being a excited that J.J. Stokes was going to be the next Jerry Rice. He was going to replace him. And then, of course, I think Jerry Rice played longer than J.J. Stokes did even after that point. But um, you know, it's no. funny. You, it's funny you say that because I think I, I saw that uh, in one of your bios that you, you, you were hyping J.J. Stokes. And <laughs> yeah. I will say this. In 1995, 
I was a I was a college sophomore at USC, and so JJ okay. Stokes had so, just finished at UCLA, yep. and I remember his last year there, he wrecked us when we played. <laughs> he just absolutely wrecked USC, and then the 49ers drafted him, and me and my friends who were 49er fans were like, all right, well, this is the silver lining, right? Like he's gonna go to the <laughs> Niners and he's gonna ball out. So nice. um so just that's just to say that don't feel bad. You weren't the only one who yeah. thought. I mean, he's the first rounder, good. him and Galloway and Westbrook that year, they're such high hopes. Yeah. 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 I mean, Galloway was the only guy of that that trio that actually sort of, you know, had a, a decent career, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at that point. Um, so obviously the thing that you maybe are most known for is the Scott Fish Bowl. Uh, this is year what, eleven? Eleven Scott yeah. Fish Bowl. Um, but I know it started as something else. It was the FF Oasis uh, Invitational a yep. long time ago before it made the transition. Um, but now it has become a huge, huge deal. At what point did you realize this was becoming one of the premier events of the fantasy season? Wow. It, that's, that is a tough one. Uh, I think it's probably about year five. In year mm-hmm. four, I had to wait list about 20 people. Um, and several of them got in for players that disappeared. But in year five, I think we had more people not get in than actually got in. I think that year it was 360 teams and we had mm. 400 some not get in. And I knew it was getting big then. And then the following year is when that year six is when everyone's like all the analysts started playing. We had some analysts, but I think it was the year that analysts were like, Oh, this guy's playing all play. Oh, this guy's playing all play. And and they just started loading up. And then we got celebrities like, you know, James Roday from Psych and Scott Porter, Jason Street from Friday Night Lights and like Mike Mills from R.E.M. Shane Battier plays now like we got a turtle from Honorage. Jerry Ferrara <laughs> plays now. You know, we got a bunch of celebrities, former MLB players and stuff. And, you know, actually, I have the answer for you. It was year six or seven when the OG stronghold, you and Adam and, and ah. Alex and Matt, it's when you, that's when I knew we'd made it. When the, the OG stronghold jumped into the fray, that's when we made it. You know, it's, it's I mean, I'm, I appreciate you saying that, even, <laughs> even if it's not 100% true. Uh, but it is funny because, like, to see it, and, and I, yeah, I will admit, it, I'm, I'm always excited to kind of get involved and, and invited to things like that. Um, but to see, like, how big it is, I mean, I think, mm-hmm. I think I recognized it. It might have been my second or third year in the league. And, and like, that's when I started really paying attention to, like, the hashtag popping up. Um, yeah. You know, when, when the drafts were starting and the hashtags and the fact that um, – you, know you know what I think it is? It's not even so much the hashtags. It's the people who are like, I can't deal with this. I'm muting the hashtag, right? Like, yeah. I feel like that, <laughs> yes. is when, that is when you have reached saturation point. Yeah. That is when you have reached the point of, like – um, you know, when you start getting blowback, is when it's like, okay, I think I've made it. Uh, yep, yeah. Which is a weird thing to say, but that's that's Twitter life. <laughs> it's yeah. totally Twitter life. Um, you talk about you know, the people who who apply and have to get waitlisted because there's mm-hmm. just no spots. I know you get so many entries every year. How do you go about picking? You know who who gets the golden ticket in any given year? Uh, yeah, that's that's always the tough part every the, the first year, the first wave or two of invites. I have to do them in waves of several hundred at a time because otherwise I'd go crazy. Cuz I I try to do this, I try to make it personal. I send each invite, you know, like I I were I do it very I have a lot of automation to it, but I, I want to like be very hands-on with it. But uh the first couple waves are basically analysts that we know Ryan McDowell helps me Ryan and I know and we know that they're in 
at the site, the website. They're they're an analyst. They they're active. We know who they are. We get them in right away because you know they're an active analyst in the industry, and we know who they were are. Then, you know, as it goes further down, it it becomes fantasy sites that are trying to, you know, make their way up that we might not know as well. This because this event is really about community. It's really about connecting and charitable, you know, uh, charitable endeavors. But it's, uh, you know, we want the whole community to get together for one big event. So we start going through those sites. And as far as fans, we do lots of contests. We do lots of giveaways. Whenever we go on shows, we try to give away spots. Um, we let shows give away their own spots. And we have a fun little random fan button in our back our back end, our, our admin area, that you just click it and it puts a random fan in. So um, there are lots of ways you can get in, but it is it is a process, no no question at all. You talk about the charitable, uh, charitable part of this, and that is, I yeah. know, a huge part of, of what – uh, you know, the, the fishbowl is, you know, the fantasy cares, uh, you know, initiative is and everything. Um, for you, when did you decide that, that this was going to be sort of your way to outreach, you know, to, to, to combine these two things of charity and fantasy? When, when did you decide that this was going to be part of it? Yeah. So that came around that year five or six zone as well. It was, uh, I had a friend in the industry that did a, a small Toys for Tots drive just for, you know, he, he got toys together in Las Vegas to give away to kids <laughs> in Las to get to Toys for Tots in Las Vegas. And I helped him with that one year. And then the next year, he couldn't do it anymore. And this was also coinciding with I had just had a heart attack at, at 35. I'm 41 now. So um, I just had a heart attack. And you get that sense in the back of your brain that you just you want to be the best possible version of yourself. You want people to see you as the best possible. You, I have young children. You know, I want them to, you know, <laughs> see that's the, the version of me I want them to see. And, and you just want to do good. And I think uh, those things coinciding at the same time uh, kind of led to uh, – it was either SFB six or seven. We, we brought in a charitable element. Um, I'd been going on radio and, and podcasts for a long time, tagging at the end, anything you want to say? And I'd say, give one of your entry fees to charity. The league won't miss it. You're doing something good. There's a hundred thousand fantasy leagues. If we all got together and gave one entry fee to charity, we could do a ton of good out there. And I think it really came to life right in that SFB five or six zone, right after that heart attack, right when I took over the toys for Todd's drive for that guy, just a perfect, you know, confluence of events right at the same time. And I've, I've seen, you know, a lot more leagues and participated in a lot more leagues where that mm-hmm. is kind of becoming the thing where, you know, the, the entry fee is being donated to charity or, you know, the people involved are playing yeah. for a particular charity and not, yeah. you know, for their own personal benefit. Um, yep. And I, you know, I mean, I'll, even if you won't say it, I, I feel like that is a direct influence of what you have done, um, which, look, I, I, I think what you've done is amazing. I think and I think it's it's been pretty cool to sort of see this sort of spread out throughout the industry. Um, you know, because, look, I, you're right. We all play in so many leagues. Like, you know, at some point, it's fine. We just you know, yeah. if you throw a few bucks to help somebody else out. I think that that sort of works out. I think it's, yeah. I think it's good for everybody. Yeah, I, I, I can't tell you which one. I, I think I like that aspect more than the, the Devi side. You mentioned, how, you know, it, what's it like to see Devi having grown this big? And it, it's amazing. But seeing five, six, seven years ago, I don't remember seeing charitable leagues 
out there much at all. And now you can't turn around without seeing them. There's a tournament for this charity. There's a tournament for that charity. There's, and I think if I've, if that is, you know, a decent part due to what I've done, man, that's something I'm hugely proud of. And, and I'm, I, I hope that becomes my legacy in the fantasy industry when I retire or whatever, because that's, it's beautiful that that has happened. I love seeing it. That would be amazing. Yeah, and, I, and I, I feel like we've also seen it even beyond fantasy. I mean, I, I immediately think of uh, Bills fans donating to the Andy Dalton yeah, Foundation yep. after the Bills or after the Bengals helped the Bills get into the playoffs uh, a couple of years ago. So um, it is. Yeah. I think it's. I think it's. It's an amazing thing to do. A um, couple of things about the fishbowl that that really entertained me besides just playing it. One. Uh, I'm glad the, you said the, entertain instead of annoy. <laughs> no, entertain. Like the okay, so the I gotta ask you about the fake names or the the names of fictional characters yes. that show up in the waiver <laughs> wire. How did that start? Because I remember like once like needing a quarterback or something because like somebody was hurt or on a bye, and I'm scrolling down and I see like Johnny Utah and, <laughs> yep. and Shane Falco, and I'm yep. like, how did that start? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it actually started in SFB three or four when the theme was Tech Mobile. And we had Bo Jackson and Tom Rathman and stuff. And I thought it'd be fun to throw in some old school tech mobile characters um, <laughs> and to, to be draftable. And, and people noticed they had a good time with it. And so I've tried to every year include something like that. So some characters this year, the theme's music. And I think uh, we might see some uh, some, you know, musicians <laughs> enter the draft. All right. I, I mean, it's like. I noticed that that first year I played, like I said, I was scrolling the waiver wire looking for help. Yeah. And now it's become a thing where, like, as soon as the draft is over, like, I go scrolling through to see, like, which names <laughs> are in there? there, who might be there. <laughs> um, you mentioned the theme is music. And I know yes. that's that's a big part of this every year is trying to figure out what the theme is going to be. Yep. Uh, but we had cartoons. We've had, I think, kids toys. Yep. Um, are, are there any out there that you haven't done that you're still sort of itching to do? I think 11 years in, I'm... Uh, I'm, it's more to the point where I'm struggling to try to figure one out <laughs> each year than it is itching to do one. Uh, one that came up for potentially this year, but the wheels were really in motion and I, uh, Influential Women came up as a possibility for this year, but it came up after we already had music planned. We had a bunch of stuff in motion. And I talked to some women behind the scenes, uh, women in the industry, and we felt maybe do that next year and do it right. You know, have a website up that has all these amazing women and what they did so people can, you know, have it as a learning experience. And, and so I think that's something we might do next year. My wife keeps recommending it should be foods I refuse to eat because she says we can get 100, 200 divisions easily just from that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do have a I, I know that you and I have similar some some foods that we will not eat together. Uh, we will oh, not eat, I guess, nice. uh, in common. So I, I, will, uh, I do I do have that in my in my back pocket to ask you a little bit later. But oh. um, <laughs> The other thing, again, this is all part of you having one of the more unique careers in this industry. You and Ryan McDowell do a podcast about and for commissioners. Yes. Um, It's not, I mean, it is not an orthodox line of thinking, but it is, again, you talk about questions that need to be answered that really nobody's Mm -hmm. answering. That feels like one. What, what, is that what made you start it? Why, why did you decide to do a podcast (laughs) for commissioners? It was, I, I, yeah, I'm not exactly sure what made us decide it, but it was a thing where Ryan McDowell and I consistently got peppered with commissioner questions. And a lot of them were similar questions that we feel like we'd answered many times before. Um, 
So we, we realized with all these questions and these stories and these, you know, they, they shoot out their interesting league ideas at us too, because they were, we're kind of known for innovative, creative leagues out there. Mm -hmm. So we decided to start a, start uh, our podcast, uh, Commission Impossible to help other commissioners out with their, you know, their tricky issues. Um, also for league members to like, hear interesting settings that maybe they want to bring to their league. We discuss bad commission stories, creative league ideas. I mentioned, uh, uh, we go over listener questions, but the coolest thing I think about a about commission impossible is it's evergreen. And you don't see that in the fantasy industry. Like you can go back and listen to episode four and it's got stuff that's probably relevant still today. People tell us all the time they go back and they listen to all our episodes after they find us. Cause they're only 20 to 30 minutes a piece. And, um, um, it's, I, I think you're right. I think it was just something that was not out there. Like, kind of like Debbie, kind of like whatever. It's just something that was not, out, I didn't see any commissioner podcasts out there. Commissioner centric podcasts. It's a small market, but Hey, it's, it's a, it's a very interesting show. It's a small market, but it is, I mean, in terms of fantasy sports, it is an important market. Um, yeah. and I feel like it is. Uh, maybe the most thankless job <laughs> when it comes when it comes to <laughs> fantasy sports. Um, I mean, how many leagues have you been the commissioner of? Have you can you even keep count at this point? Uh, I, so I run a commissioner service that currently has over a thousand leagues that I commissioner every year wow. that I commission. So that I'm commissioner of every year, I would say. If you count each, yeah, I don't know, thousands, it's thousands <laughs> upon thousands of leagues I've commissioned. And this upcoming year will be my 30th year playing fantasy football. So, uh, yeah, thousands is what I'll go with. <laughs> you are like the, the Pete Rosell of fantasy football right now. <laughs> That's um, a long time, yeah. I was going to say, you know, like kids look it up. Like there was, there were like, there were commissioners before Roger Goodell, believe it or not. Um, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it was a thing that happened. Um you talk about those, some of the different formats and ideas and tweaks to the game mm -hmm. and, and how we slice and dice it. What are some of the wildest ones you, you can remember being a part of? Oh, man. Oh, this is this is I, I love this. We have so many we talk about on that show. We talk about so many interesting league ideas and Ryan and I have done some really, really cool ones. Last year, I was in one with Ryan that um, it was much like a guillotine league, which is where the bottom team is axed at the mm -hmm. end of each week. The bottom scoring team and his players go to the waiver wire. So that happened. But also it was like a vampire or pirate league where you got to it, you had a head to head matchup and you also stole an opponent's player. So like wow. if you were playing against the Saquon Barkley guy, um, the, you know, or whatever player you could steal him from him, any player, his best player, you get to steal that. And then you draft the, the players that have been cut each week. And that was, <laughs> that was pretty crazy and pretty fun. I've also been in a league that was, uh, like a board game, like a D and D game, uh, Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> game where you had goals you had to accomplish each week where your fantasy points would like add up together and you try to take down a monster monster and then you'd earn gold or whatever and you'd, you'd have hit points like it combined fantasy with board games which uh was quite interesting and then there's like superpower leagues where you can freeze a guy's score mid-game or you can you have some kind of accelerator that doubles your quarterback score or whatever like in these these superpowers are tradable assets you know like uh, there's so many the creativity is endless in our game and i've i played in a lot of them i i love hearing about new ones too that that is amazing. I'm like, yeah. I, especially you talk about the board games, because for a long time I've referred to fantasy sports as Dungeons and Dragons for sports nerds. Um, 
So you you sort of combined those worlds. Which I do. Think, you talk about Venn diagrams. I think the Venn diagram of like people who love fantasy sports and people who like, you know play like RPGs and stuff like that. Yeah. I feel like it's a bigger overlap than maybe we want I to can admit. See that. I, can I do. See that. I think you yeah. know, look, we're all we're all nerds in our own special way. Mm-hmm. Um, we just our areas of nerdetry tend to be a little bit different. <laughs> uh, that's all. Um, Obviously, every year there are new leagues. There are new people who decide they want to be commissioners. What advice yeah. would you give to somebody who who is you know thinking about or is becoming a first time commissioner? Yeah, so I guess I have about I have two or three that I usually give to first time commissioners. Is the first one is if you haven't started the league yet, either create the league you want with the settings you want, then go find the owners that that want to play in that <laughs> style. So you've created what you want, and then you go find the owners, or find a group you want to play with, and then decide the rules together. The most issues Ryan and I have heard from emailers is when they try to split the middle, they create a league they want, but then they get the owners and then they start changing the rules or you get a group together and you want to be the run one running it, but they want it to be more of a, you know, like a democracy for how to create the league. That's where we find the issues. But if you start it with the settings you want and just find owners that want to play in that league, it seems to work out well, vice versa. If you find 11 other people or whatever, you discuss the league rules, make it together. Those seem to work out the best the second tip i have is also always have a best interest clause like the last rule of your thing should be should circumstances issues or problems arise for which like a remedy is not stated in the rules the commissioner reserves the right to take whatever actions he deems necessary in the best interest of the league and that will close loopholes in case someone finds a little loophole that that could hurt the league that can help close those loopholes when it happens and and commissioners should always look to close loopholes not to exploit them um make decisions that are best for the league, not what's in the best interest of your team, et cetera, et cetera. That, I mean, I feel like that it, it all makes sense. And it, I, I love the point about, you know, either setting setting your settings the way you want them or or having it be a democracy and not in between. Like I, the thought that comes to mind is like, it's like trying to order a pizza, right? With 10 mm-hmm. people. Like yeah. y- 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 if you're trying to order pizzas with 10 people, either what's going to happen is that everybody's essentially going to get their own pizza or you're going to get one pizza that like nobody really <laughs> likes because you've yeah. had to put everything on there to try to satisfy all these people. Yep. Uh, and in the end, you know, you're going to get like pineapple and anchovies and black olives and it's going to be disgusting and nobody's going to want to eat the pizza. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that's pretty cool. Um, I can't have you on here and not talk at least something about actual fantasy football uh, <laughs> beyond the nuts and bolts. And so I, you know, I, I kind of want to pick your brain in terms of, uh, you know, y- your background obviously is is Devi and that sort mm-hmm. of thing, and and looking at prospects and, and and all that. When you are you know looking at a group of incoming rookies, for instance, what what is important to you in terms of of who? Uh, you're going to maybe target when you're drafting and, and, and that sort of stuff. Yeah, so I feel like this has changed for me over the years. Back in the day, I used to watch a ton of players and and I would look for skills that I thought could translate in the NFL, and I still do to a degree. But as I've gotten busier, I found myself depending more on the analysis of some of the great minds in the industry, like you had Emery on, um, like Matt Waldman and stuff. And it puts me in a spot where I can take what they've look at what they've done, and then the smaller amount of watching I do, I can I can you know see if I agree or not and. And, and it helps me a little bit with time crunching. I think one thing I found that I put more emphasis on now than I did in the past, and I'm, I feel like I've become a better player for it, is 
taking a better look at, at the draft capital of where players are drafted because, because back in the day when I watched tons and tons of like from we're talking grainy high school video of people coming out of high school throughout college. I developed these huge biases for players like and no matter if they were drafting the fourth or fifth round, I'm like, I don't care. I've loved him for three years, you know, and, and now I've started to get to the point where draft capital matters a whole lot more for me because that does translate to success. But it also really, really translates to opportunity in the NFL. And that's something that I didn't do before. And I do more now. And I'm I'm I feel like I've I've been better for it. And. In Dynasty, I've become much more of a win-now player nowadays. Mm-hmm. And everybody says, talent over landing spot, talent over landing spot. It is it is true to a degree, but that early landing spot does matter a little. That's why when people, when the NFL draft happens, people's rankings change. <laughs> the, the rookie <laughs> rankings change right after. And it's because of that draft capital and to a lesser degree, that landing spot. Um I don't factor it quite as much as, as the draft capital or what I've watched on them, but I do take it into account because even though landing spot can turn on a dime, it still does matter a little bit early. Like, look at Deami Brown. Like, I really like Deami Brown mm-hmm. because he's going to be with a DGAF type of thrower with Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> he's gonna, potentially can be the starting deep ball contested catch guy for him. Mm-hmm. I, I like that a lot more than I possibly did before, you know? And I, I completely agree. And there were so many things you said there that immediately just like it, it warmed my heart. I mean, you know, first, first off, the, the, the idea of sort of uh, kind of leaning on the expertise and knowledge of others, because uh, I say this as the father of a two year old son, like mm-hmm. I don't have the time to sit and watch you know <laughs> as much tape uh, as I have in the past. So it is about sort of kind of mm-hmm. maximizing and, and, and you know, using an economy of time to, to maybe you read uh, other people's evaluations and you do your own, you do a little bit of research yeah, to sort of like, you know, your own, but, to yeah. figure out how much you agree or disagree. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't have the time to go back and watch, you know, a hundred prospects anymore, yeah. uh, just because, you know, that's, that's sort of life. But the other part of it that, that I really sort of uh, gravitate toward is the idea of, um, you know, landing spots, draft capital over, over talent. We all, we all love talent. We all want to find that guy that we think can be that diamond in the rough. Um, but, you know, I, I see it with, you know, you, you see guys who have like a little bit of a hive right behind them. I, the mm-hmm. name that jumps to mind, I think, was Tyler Johnson, right, in, in Tampa. Um, <laughs> and people love him. And he's a super talented guy. Yeah. He doesn't get on the field very often because they've got a lot of really talented players ahead of him. I mean, yep. so he may make one spectacular catch in a game. And, and his hive on Twitter kind of lights up and talks about how he's going to be a big thing. And maybe he will. But right now he's still continuing with Mike Evans and Chris yeah. Godwin and Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski. And all the talent in the world doesn't necessarily help you um, if you're not getting on the field and getting those opportunities. And I think that's a thing that sometimes I think you're right. I think when you when you watch guys and you you make notes and you study, um, you sort of forget about that part because like, man, I watched this dude play through an entire, you know, max season and he was running people over and you know i think he can be great um if his coaching staff doesn't give him the opportunity it's just it's just yep. never really gonna happen yep. um you mentioned deami brown who's a guy i think has sleeper potential this year in yeah. that washington offense yep. um anybody else that that you saw or paid attention to that really has caught your eye this year 
Yeah, well, you know, this isn't, it's not quite as deep, but I, I didn't hate the Bateman spot as much as, like, he was my wide receiver too before the draft, right? Like, okay. and maybe it's partially because I'm a Gopher fan, fan, but I feel like he does <laughs> everything well. I know he ran like a 4.39. It doesn't feel like he's got that top end speed, but, I, you know, I guess it is there. But he's such a cont- great contested catch guy. It feels like he does everything well. And Lamar Jackson threw 36 touchdowns just two years ago, man. Like, <laughs> like I, I don't think it's the worst spot in the world, but I'm, I'm loving when I can get him at the end of the first. I like taking Terrace Marshall. I mean, 80, 80 plus percent from the slot. He can jump right into that Curtis uh, Samuel role. He's back mm-hmm. with Joe Brady. It, it, I love when a college coach is like, you know, I know this guy. I want him and bring him in, right? Like, the, it feels like there's a confidence there. Uh, and Robbie, Robbie Anderson might be gone next year, you know, Terrence mm-hmm. is a guy that can move outside too. Um, I, I like that. I, I like guys like Anthony Schwartz. Uh, you know, maybe maybe a little more long term, a little speedy guy there over in uh, Cleveland. Josh Palmer. Uh, you know, it's hard. It's hard to ignore the lack of production in college, but it's also hard to ignore that Mike Williams might leave after this year, and mm-hmm. he would grow up with Justin Herbert over there. So um, I, I tend to like it. We're talking about like Schwartz and Palmer, like fourth round dart throws, right? right like, right. and this is a draft where after about two, after about a round and a half, maybe the end of the second, you're like, okay, whatever. Let's try to figure this out, right? <laughs> so fourth, fourth rounders with some potential like that. Those, those are guys I, you know, I've been taking shots at. It's funny too. So when you talk about getting past the first, maybe the first couple of rounds of a, a you know a rookie draft or whatever, that's when I feel like that's when I, I get my Google on the most, right? It's like <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like I'll I'll see a list of guys and there may be you know three or four guys that I'm sort of trying to figure out. Which by the way, thank goodness for slow drafts in, in yes. those rookie drafts, man. Because if you if you had to put me on a clock, it would be awful. But um, it is. It's where you sort of kind of get your Google on and you try to figure out you know from from his you know his draft prospects and pro comparisons to the uh, the beat reporters checking out what what you know a guy could be after he's drafted. I think that is where that's where it's a lot of fun to try to figure out. You know, will you know, what will Josh Palmer be? Um, you know, a few years from now, you are the second person in the last couple of weeks to come on the show and mention Anthony Schwartz. Uh, Emory Hunt loved him uh, mm. as well. So like that, you know, like those sort of things I think are worth paying attention to, and it sort of gets you you know gets you uh, in tune. Uh, I will also say that you have. You you might be sort of getting me a little bit more excited about Rashad Bateman. Um, <laughs> and, and I love I, I like him a lot as a player. I just worry that his opportunities are sort of capped in Baltimore just because of what their offense is. Yeah, um, it's a lot of yeah. running for like yeah. ten years straight now. Right, like. exactly. So like I feel like my my concerns about him aren't about him necessarily. It's just about you know how the offense sort of operates around mm-hmm. him. Yep. Um, but I'm also willing to buy into the fact that the Ravens say they want to throw the ball more, which is like the third or fourth year running. They've said that. Um, and look, I'm gullible enough to sort of like buy back in again. And maybe that will that will swing me to getting Rashad Bateman <laughs> in a couple of spots. Um, all right. So before I let you go, I, I know that you know, there are a list of foods, as you mentioned, that you just will not eat. So I have to ask, <laughs> what would you rather do? Play in an all kicker fantasy league or eat a jar of, of pickles? <laughs> this this isn't even a question for me. I would rather only play in all kicker leagues for the rest of my life <laughs> than eat a jar of piss, pickles. I I've been offered five figures uh, pooled together from a bunch of people to eat one, and I won't. And it's the problem is like. <laughs> 
and, and I'm not like, I'm just, a fantasy. Like, just one to eat. Yeah, just one I'm, I'm a fantasy analyst. I'm not flush with millions over here. Like, <laughs> don't, don't think I'm like Mr. Richie Rich, t- not taking that type of money. It's here's the thing. It's they actually make me gag and want to throw up. Okay. Like, imagine dr- like a normal person listening, drinking like curdled milk or something, a gallon mm-hmm. of curdled. Like, that's what it's like for me. Like, I actually start to gag and almost throw up, and I just can't. I can't do it. So, a jar of pickles. I, I just I can't do it. Promise to people who love them. I mean, I don't. I don't league shame. I play with the settings you love. I don't food shame either. You know, you love what you love. I'm. I just can't eat a pickle. I can't do I, it. Well, I'm sort of. I mean, I think for five figures, I think I. I might try to choke one down, but I just given left to my own devices, I would play in an all kicker league over yeah. eating a jar of pickles. I, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Uh, also, I'm one of those people who like. I, I'm okay with having kickers in the fantasy yeah. game. I know yeah. that the. Uh, you know, I know that I feel like sometimes I'm swimming upstream on that. Yeah, um, SFB is going to allow you to flex them this year. So I see that. Try I know. that out. Yeah, I'm super excited about that. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll see what everybody else, what my opponents are doing, and that'll help me decide whether. <laughs> Or not it's going to be a smart decision for me sure um but i i'm okay with with kickers in the fantasy game uh i also say that i don't like things that are pickled for the most part like yeah. i don't i don't like pickles i don't like sauerkraut i don't like kimchi uh <laughs> pickled ginger is probably the only one uh that i can eat i don't think i've ever weird. had that but it's weird it's probably because pickle is in the name and that's why i didn't order <laughs> get it uh, whatever i totally get it i absolutely yeah. get it um scott dude i appreciate this conversation i have enjoyed this conversation <laughs> um for people who don't know and i think you know for a lot of folks who listen to this podcast they probably already know where to find you but uh for those that don't where where can they find what you're doing man uh, safeleaguesfantasy.com is where you can join dynasty leagues or redraft leagues or unique leagues that I do. Commission Impossible is, is the podcast with Ryan McDowell. Commissionpod.com, I guess you can go to to subscribe to that. Um, the Safe Leagues, we're a legal fantasy contest operator, licensed and registered in more states than anyone. Uh, scottfishbowl.com, uh, sign up. If you don't sign up, I can't get you in. You can't play with, <laughs> you can't play with Marcus in that league if you, <laughs> or any of those celebrities if you don't sign up. Uh, Scott Fish 24 on Twitter. That's where you can find just about anything I, I'm doing out there. Beautiful. Uh, yep. Again, dude, I appreciate it. I appreciate all the work you have done. Uh, and like I said, you have had such a unique career. I, I have enjoyed kind of following <laughs> it, at least, you know, for as long as I have and kind of enjoying seeing where it, it may go in the future. Um, yeah, man. Any any parting shots before we get out of here? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think I got everything down. I should say that 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 five figures, uh, it was it, it wasn't directly to me. It was a uh, it was a. Uh, We'll pool up the money to go to charity, and and that's that almost made me consider it more, <laughs> but I didn't do it. <laughs> hey man, sometimes you know some, a man's got to know his limitations. Yeah, I, uh, I certainly yeah. understand it. Scott, be well, man. We will uh, hopefully catch up with you sometime soon. <laughs> Thanks for having me. All right, man. And that for us, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, is it weird for pawn shops to sell entire chess sets? Be safe, take care of yourselves, get vaccinated, and we'll see you next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at zerofoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless.